Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Entertaining sports talk. You know me, I've been winning pro football games for years. But most people still think my place is on the sidelines. That's why I wanted my own TV show. Now every Monday night I can show you what's important on the field and off. Seahawks strategies, player profiles, my picks for next week. And to make sure no one's just sitting on the sidelines, I want you to make the calls. The Chuck Knox Show. Don't go to bed Mondays without it. <laughs> that is an old video from Como TV uh, promoting the Chuck. Remember, they used, everyone had a show. The oh, Chuck yeah. Knox Show yeah. right after Monday Night Football. And the best part about that was I'm going to make my picks. <laughs> Can you imagine wait, Pete Carroll doing a TV show? I'm going to pick against the spread this week. That sounds like something he said but didn't do. That sounds like something was in no, the promo copy. Did he made, pick games? Yes. He, I, he now, I can't games. remember. Maybe maybe Claire will remember. He, I can't remember if he did the spread, but I think he just picked games who he thought was going to win this week. But name me a coach and he would even do that now. That is a, that is a great piece of audio. Don't uh, go to bed without uh, it. Long-time <laughs> uh, Seahawks reporter Claire Farnsworth. A gentleman who covered the team uh, for a very long time, back for the Seattle uh, PI and then later for Seahawks.com. The man who no one looks better in a visor and then slash Tevas than Claire Farnsworth. He's wearing them right now. And That's he, all he's got on. And he joins us on the uh, the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Claire, it has been far too long. It's great to catch up with you. I wish we were catching up on better circumstances, but how are you? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm really glad that they were finally able to get you two guys on the air together. Uh, Jason, nothing per- personal against you, but <laughs> does anybody tell better stories than Mike Gassino? Wow, uh, that coming from well, you. I, that's... I used to think that when I would listen to you back in the day, Mike, it was just like, okay, th- this guy can tell a story. <laughs> well, we, thank, I appreciate it. We have a fan, and that's nice to know now that we, we can build on this. Yes. We can build on you know, Puck mentions that uh, it would have been nice to to not have these circumstances. On the other hand, and it's a shame that 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 Chuck, you know, the dementia thing, man, does that's that's the worst of them all. I think they're all bad, but boy, that's when you lose your mind. Mm. But what a life this guy had, Claire. You know, on the one hand, it's sad that he's gone, but geez, he filled his life with stuff. Yeah, he he really did. The last time I saw him was the week of the Super Bowl, and that the Seahawks should have won in Arizona. I remember that that game, that play, yeah. um, he, he, you know, he, he's been in pretty bad shape for a while. And, uh, you know, the dementia had really gotten bad. I, I talked to him actually quite a bit and I'm not sure he remembered who I was and I, and I'm sure he didn't remember talking to me cause everybody was coming up and talking to him. But, uh, yeah, he was, you know, I, if, if you have a chance, if you haven't already, um, years ago, Ch- uh, Bill Plaschke, who was then you know, working at the Seattle PI and now works at the, the LA Times, wrote uh, Hard Knocks, the, the definitive Chuck Knox biography. And uh, if you can get your hands on that, and I always tell people, just read the, the early life stuff. Once he kind of got into the NFL, it was like, okay, whatever. But the, the stuff about you know growing up in Swickley and his dad, and I mean, it really gives you a good feel for who Chuck was and, and why he was the way he was, which was uh, oftentimes very frustrating for those who were trying to cover him, but also oftentimes very delightful and delighting. Well, again, Claire, and again, Claire Farnsworth, longtime Seahawks reporter of the Seattle PI, and then also with Seahawks.com. You know, we were explaining that to to our producer, Jackson, who you spoke to uh, earlier, is that he, and Jackson's 26 years old. I mean, he knows, obviously, <laughs> who Chuck Knox is, but he, we were talking in the sports pit, uh, all three of us, and he was like, well, what was he like? And and explaining to Jackson, you know, what Chuck was like, and, and I just said, 
you know, he's from Pennsylvania. It's blue collar. It's steel work town. It's just you take your lunch pail to work. I mean, he was, and then Gas, you know, said it perfectly. He was as, as old school as they come when it comes to football. Yeah, he coached old school. And, I, and also you need to point out before he became a head coach and three-time NFL coach of the year with the Los Angeles Rams, the Buffalo Bills, and the Seahawks, um, this guy was an offensive line coach. So that gives you a little bit of the, the mentality that went into it as well. And, uh, um, you know, many uh, wonderful stories about, you know, just how he related to the players. Um, you know, they, they pretty much all loved him. I mean, you know, they, uh, you know what a, a great guy to, to play for. Um, and I, I think because of that, that background, and, he, you know, Chuck was Chuck. And uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, he, that was one of his things, you know, bring your, bring your lunch pail and your hard hat. We're going to put in a good day's work here. And he got here at a critical time, Claire. I, you know, I, yeah. I think it was maybe Larry Stone I read this morning talking about how you know the expansion uh, uh, sheen was starting to fade a little bit. Okay, it's kind of fun we got a team, but you got to win a little bit. And he came in and just and plugged in and did his thing and got this city. I think the city already cared about pro football, but got them to really care. You got to win to make it special, and that's what he did. Yeah, and they'd had a couple of, you know, the, the Jim Zorn to Steve Largent, you know, that all that excitement of, you know, they had a couple decent teams, you know, early in the expansion period, but then it kind of went downhill in a hurry. Um, and when the owners of the Nordstroms decided to, uh, fire Jack Patera during the, the two, 19, or the player strike in, in 1990 or 82, um, and Mike McCormick finished out that season, it was like, um, you know, who are they going to bring in? And all of a sudden you bring in Chuck Knox and these guys not only went to the playoffs for the first team, they didn't stop till they got all the way to the the AFC Championship game against the Raiders um, at the at the LA Coliseum, and um, the Seahawks had swept the the, the, the Raiders or that season. So it was kind of like you know they always say it's really hard to beat a team three times, and it was excruciatingly difficult uh, for the Seahawks in that championship game. But they got there, and then like the next year, uh, they had to play their season opener in 1984 on a Monday afternoon at the Kingdome because of a conflict with, with conflict with the Mariners. Um, so and then Kurt Warner goes out and blows out his knee in the first half, mm. and you're just going, "Oh my God!" Well, you know, here we go. What's going to happen? Well, ground shuck, as his his offense was, you know, lovingly referred to, turned into air knocks, and Dave Craig started throwing the ball all over the place, and they went twelve and four. I mean, so it's just, yeah, and it, it just the, the stuff that he was able to do, you know, and in his first six seasons, um, they went to the playoffs four times and won three playoff games. And if you go back to the seven years before he got here and the 10 after he left, the Seahawks did not appear in the postseason and they had only three winning seasons. So th that gives you, I mean, that's, you know, talk about winning. That's the context right there that uh, that's what these guys were able to do was, was win under him until, you know, we got until his, his shtick wore out and they, you know, eventually moved on after bearing uh you know bought the team and, and brought in tom flores because he loved the the vertical stretch offense that uh you know flores had run with the raiders and as you saw that 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 had passed it the nfl had passed that by at that point yeah <laughs> it's weird because i i still think if i'm correct on this i think i think if with one more win carroll will equal wins with chuck knox but i think chuck is i think still number two all time right behind holmgren in terms of a career wins, and I, you know, listen. There's, there's a lot of fans who are young who just don't remember that. I mean, how? Right. I mean, I remember it. This was, you know, Claire. This was right in my wheelhouse. This is when I fell in love with this team, uh, with sports. It, Chuck Knox was a head coach. I was six years old when in '83. <laughs> it was just that was I went every Sunday was go, were 
Uh, we had a truck with a camper on it. We were we were parked underneath the viaduct when you could park underneath the viaduct on the railroad tracks and tailgate. They were and living there actually. We were living, it was humble like, times. Remember when you could tailgate anywhere in this city? And you know that was we sat in the three hundred level. I mean, I think you could still smoke up there. I mean, it was out of control. It was, but that 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 was he was the coach of of my generation of falling in love with the Seattle Seahawks, and he there was he was the first guy. He was the first guy to get this thing rolling. I mean, the, yeah, and, how, and when Holmgren took over, yeah. all the stuff that, that that his teams were chasing were stuff that Chuck's team had yeah. done: the twelve and four season, the AFC champ, you know, the cha- conference championship game, la 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 la. And then it's kind of like under Pete Carroll, it's kind of become okay. He's trying to outdo the stuff that not only that Chuck did, but that Mike Holmgren did, and you know, you get. You get you get one Super Bowl championship and you get uh, three feet from a repeat the next year. Um, you know the, whoever takes over for Pete, uh, you know when when his tenure's done, uh, you know good luck to, to trying to match that. He's uh, he's the only guy right to take three different teams to the playoffs and named a coach of the year with three different teams. Nobody's done that, right? Yeah, and and the, and it's it is pretty amazing because you know he he would wear out his welcome in these places and uh, part of the part of it was that's what happened at the end of the Seahawk tenure when when Baring and and Ken Hoffman were the the owners of the team. Chuck got into he fell into this philosophy of you you, you just play to keep the game close and then maybe you can make a play or two at the end to win it. And you know they wanted uh, you know fireworks and you know bells and whistles and all that stuff and and Chuck just you know couldn't allow himself to do that. So that was kind of the end. But yeah, I mean it worked in L. The first time he was there, of course, um, it worked in Buffalo, and then it worked definitely when he came to Seattle. And then the funny thing, his last game as a Seahawks coach was in the Kingdome against the Rams. So in the press box, we're all conjecturing, okay, when the game is over, does Chuck go up the Seahawks tunnel, or does he go up the Ram <laughs> tunnel and just go back to L.A. with those guys? It hadn't been announced, but you knew he was going back there because he had a, a thing with a you know, relationship with Georgia Frontieri who you know w- w- welcomed him back, and they just he never had the kind of success in his second tenure with the Rams that he did in the first. Uh, Claire Farns with a longtime Seahawks reporter for the Seattle PI, also Seahawks.com. What was your favorite? I mean, there are so many of them, uh, uh, the Noxisms. I mean, what was the one that just got you every time? Well, the, the one that you heard the most was play the hand you're dealt. And I, I did a piece, a memory piece for Seahawks.com. And I remember talking to Chucky, or, you know, Ch- Chuck Knox Jr., uh, who was a ball boy at camp. And I, you know, Chuck, what, you know, Chucky, what's this like? And he goes, man, he's the same way with me that he is with you guys. I tell him about some problem I'm having at school, and he's going, well, Chucky, you got to play the hand you're dealt. And another one I really liked was the don't tell me how rough the water is, just bring the ship in. Because you, he, that, that started with the players, and it, it, it made its way into the media because people would try to make excuses, which Chuck just hated. And that's when he would uh, tap that ring of his on the wood table that was in the media room and kind of fix those uh, steely blues on you and go, don't tell me how tough the water is, just bring the ship in. All, all things uh, considered, and then there was crazy ownership going on at the time and not necessarily the best manager, was, was he dealt with fairly at the end? And I'll set this up by saying this. I got here in, in June of 91, and then got started on the air in October of 91, and I remember the talk at that time, Claire, was, well, 9 and 7, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 7 and yep. 9. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> this, this guy, it's time to make a change. And yet now you look at the whole body of work, and obviously on a day like today, you want to be as favorable as possible. I mean, it, it clearly it didn't work out with who they chose, but was it was it probably time for a change at that point from the Seattle perspective, or should they have kept him? Well, 
you know, it was funny because there was a, a lot of talk when Holmgren was here. Remember, people wanted to fire him right. after a couple of years. Right. And I always told people, before you get rid of somebody, make sure you've got somebody better to come take their place. Yeah. And in Chuck's case, the Chuck situation, that wasn't the case. I, I love Tom Flores to death, but they just didn't have a whole lot of luck. And the funny thing was, this the unraveling of this whole thing kind of started with, I'm sure your all-time favorite Seahawks quarterback, Dan McGuire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When they drafted him, <laughs> Chuck didn't want him. Um, you know, normally when you make your first round draft pick, the coach comes down and they talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Chuck did not show up until the very end of the day. And every time he was asked a question, well, if he can do this like they told me he can, well, if they're right about this and he can do that, well, um, and they, play, they, they played him for one half against the Indianapolis Colts and he looked like, you know, the deer in headlights. And when, you know, Chuck benched him at halftime, went away from it, um, and, and Barron was not happy about this. This this was the guy that he wanted. And this is another, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, Barron was asked what he liked about Dan McGuire. Um, he liked his agent, who leaned Steinberg, and Steinberg assured them that if they drafted McGuire, that he would be signed and in camp on time because previously a guy named Cortez Kennedy um, was drafted number one. They traded up to the third pick overall to get this guy, and he held out until the Wednesday before the season opener, and basically his rookie season was kind of a wash. So, um, yeah, it, it, it just the, – the way the, – the, the ownership – and the Chuck Knox thing just weren't going to work. So whether they he was dealt with fairly, he was dealt with the way that he that they were going to deal with him because he just wasn't going to play the game the way they wanted it played. Uh, Claire Farnsworth joining us here on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, reflecting on the life of uh, life of Chuck Knox, passed away yesterday at the age of eighty six. Led Seattle first division title, playoff win, conference championship appearance, eighty and sixty three in nine seasons uh, here with the Seahawks. You you mentioned it earlier, and, and a lot of people you've seen it. You know, it's written on several different places. You've seen it on social media. Claire, why was he so popular among among players? Because, you know, I, I just watched him from afar, and if you were, you were to say to me as a kid that, you know, the 8-year-old setting up in the 300 level, he doesn't look like a player's coach to me. He looks like somebody <laughs> I'd be scared of. I'd pee down my pants. But, but when you peel it away, it, he was very different with the players from what you saw publicly. Yeah, and I, and the part of it was is that's the inner circle. You know, the, the, those guys had Chuck. Chuck had their respect because he respected them. And if you talk to you know Steve Rabel, Jim Zorn, Steve Largen, you know, all these guys that played for him, you know Chuck Chuck treated them like a man, which the, which they really liked. And there was just no nonsense with him, and you knew where you stood. Um, and that's kind of you know wh- you know why they liked him so much and why it was there. And uh, yeah, but you're right because I mean if you uh, you know if you if you looked at him, you would not have probably picked him out to be the guy that had the kind of success he had with three different franchises. He was just honest, I think. I could play. You know, he, yeah, rem- he reminds yeah. me a lot, Claire, in, in in a lot of ways, with the one notable exception. And I'm, I want to I want to ask you if if, if you know, he's I guess has been a borderline Hall of Fame guy. Doesn't look like he's going to get there now, yeah. but but he never won, never had that postseason. He reminds me a little bit of Lou Pinella. Now Lou went on and, and won a World Series with 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 the Reds. Yeah. But they were kind of the same. I mean, Lou was a little more animated and all that. But but the players that I talked to with Lou, that was said he just was honest with you, and he he never he never let anything get in the way of that. 
Yeah, like I said, you always knew where you stood with him. You might not have always liked it, but you knew, you know, but there was you knew where it was. There was no ambu- ambiguity about it at all. And but you know, the funny thing about not getting into the, the Hall of Fame because he he never won the big one. Well, they have that same argument with quarterbacks. And are you going to tell me that Dan Marino and Warren Moon don't belong in the Hall of Fame because they never won the Super Bowl? Right. And that's kind of how I felt about Chuck. That you know, and now you know he might get some recognition in that seniors committee now that they you know that that you know they have that they can bring these guys in. But in a way, it's too bad that uh, it didn't happen when he was around because I you know I I don't know that there are you know I don't know every coach that's ever coached in the league but the, of the, the long time that I care, covered the team in the league and all the coaches I knew you know I don't know of a guy that that gave more of himself you know to it and 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 put as much into it as Chuck did he just uh, like I said he, he and he had a special relationship with the players because they were the guys that we were, you know we're going to get this done and we go back to 1987 when they had the player strike the Seahawks were one of the last teams to put together a replacement team because Chuck was true to his guys to the bitter end. So they were out signing bouncers and, you know, bartenders and, you know, <laughs> construction workers and all this stuff to, to try to put a, a team on the field at the at the yeah. last minute because he just held out to the bitter end that he did not want to take that replacement team out there on the field and pass them off as a Seahawk. Hey, did give us did give us Bruce Matheson though, right? Or no, was That's it? true. Yeah, and Jimmy Teal. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I used to love him. Number 11, I believe. Hey, Claire, it was great catching up with you. Um, it, it has been far too long. Uh, miss your work and reading it every day, but I'm sure you're enjoying retirement. Yeah, and I that's another whole avenue. You guys are much too young to have me tell you about what being retired is like. I, I thought this was going to be good, but it's even better than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like halfway there, and trust me, I am dying to get there. Uh, Claire, uh, we'll catch up with you, with, with you soon. Thanks so much for coming on. Okay, I really appreciate talking to you guys. I, I, it's really, like you said, the, the circumstances aren't ideal, but it was nice catching up. Yeah. Thanks, All right, there Claire. he is. Uh, Claire Farnsworth, again, a longtime Seattle reporter uh, for the Seattle PI. We had two newspapers in town. It was wonderful. And God, also, I miss those days. Seahawks.com. Remember, you get the morning in the – was the Times the afternoon one? Yeah, or the yeah. PI, right? And then it became a morning one. Yeah, that, I know. And, and, but, God, but, I love yeah. that afternoon newspaper. Oh, the afternoon paper was awesome. school. Well, and it, it, it was perfect for doing afternoon radio. Yeah, I was right. like, hey, look, a whole fresh new take on you know, Before the interweb, yeah. I remember running into Claire. I, I want to say it was the Saturday Great morning guy. of Super Bowl forty in Detroit when they'd lose to Pittsburgh and just and and just telling us you know I'm happy for everybody's organization but I'm really happy for you cuz you put in you know, Claire had put in the time covering and and to a certain extent journalists are like you know whatever I cover the team but it's much more fun when you get once in a while a bite at the Big Apple. Sure. Like, let's write a Super Bowl story yeah. and see how that feels. And I, I was happy for him because after after all those guys who had been around for so long, let's uh, let's uh, reflect a little bit more on Chuck Knox and, and his impact really in this market uh, when it came to football because it was him and another guy that I think kind of shaped I think our love and, and fandom and obsession with the sport.